Assalamu alaikum, ladies and gentlemen. If you like this podcast, if you benefit from this podcast or you benefit from some of the writing that we do on Instagram, on Facebook, if you attend our connection sessions that take place every second Sunday on Zoom, if you have been a member of our Flourish coaching course, you may, 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 being the operative word I appreciate, may want to make a subscription to our Patreon page. Why would I do that, Yusuf? Well, I'll tell you why. Because there are a number of different audio recordings on there. I can't remember exactly how many, but I think it's more than 20. At least it may be even more than that. And there's also a number of different connection sessions uploaded in full on the Patreon page. Every time we have a connection session on Zoom, I put the whole unedited recording up onto Patreon. And there are a number of different articles as well. Some things that I've written um, reflecting on topics, themes related to personal growth, the pursuit of wholeness according to the Islamic tradition. But what if you don't want to make a contribution? Well, that's cool. Don't worry about it. That's all love. Enjoy the podcast. Take it easy. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, in the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. Uh, the spirit of divine compassion is my understanding of the expression Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And I've been thinking about that a lot over the last couple of weeks, which is that the Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces his book, his final revelation unto humanity. He instructs every human being through the Blessed Messenger Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to begin everything Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu informs us that that which is not begun with the Bismillah, that which we do not begin with Bismillah, is cut off. Excuse me, is cut off. Cut off from goodness, cut off from khair, cut off from him subhanahu wa ta'ala. But interestingly, as we know that Allah Almighty has, according to the Islamic tradition, 99 names or 99 canonical names. Ultimately, the names of Allah Almighty could be endless. Um, Allah Almighty teaches Adam the names of things and all are guided by the creator. All are created by him subhanahu wa ta'ala. All are manifestations of his beauty, of his magnificence. Yet of all those names, and there are names of Jalal. There are names of majesty, there are names of Jamal, there are names of beauty. Of all of those names, Allah Almighty begins his revelation, begins his revelation with Bismillahir Rahman Rahim and makes this part of the, the final revelation to humanity, meaning that it is probably the most commonly, one of the most common expressions and common statements in our tradition, right? Bismillah. Bismillahir Rahman Rahim. We begin in the name of Allah, Bismillah. Rahman Rahim. And then we look at the translation of these words. Remember that Allah Almighty has names of Jalal, has names of strength, has names of majesty. But he utilizes these names, Ar Rahman Rahim, which are both linguistically connected to each other. And both, you know, when we translate them into English, perhaps it's, dif it's difficult for us to, to present the nuanced distinction between the two. And this is not a linguistic class, this is not an Arabic lesson. We can recognize that. I say in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, the, the all-merciful, the all-compassionate, for example, is another translation. But what we can see is that at the core of this, of these names that the Almighty selects, 
not only for his his final revelation, which would be sufficient in and of itself, right? That would be enough, but for us to utilize in everything that we do when we leave the home, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. When we begin an endeavor, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. When we begin a discussion, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. When we begin an event, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. We are constantly, or we should be, constantly invoking the names of Allah Almighty and beginning things in His name for His sake, Rahman. Rahim. He didn't choose other names. He chose those names. And that means that's worthy of reflection, if you ask me. We need to think, well, why is it that the Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala has utilized these names in order to introduce or to begin things? Because I think that everything that is done for the sake of Allah must be done through the spirit of divine compassion. Everything that you do must be done with the spirit of divine compassion. But that needs a lot of unpacking. We need to think about, well, what does it actually mean to do something compassionately, to do something with mercy? How does that articulate itself? You would think, oh, sometimes, you know, I can understand that we must be compassionate to the cat that doesn't got any food or to somebody who is lost or in pain. But what about somebody who is wronging us, someone who is struggling against us, someone who is harming us? How can we articulate how can we manifest that spirit of divine compassion I, I say this to teachers all the time which is that you know it's not personal they're acting out the way that they have been taught to live or not even taught the way that they have um, imbibed the way that they have observed, the way that they have been modelled to. They respond to situations in the way that they have been modelled to. Can you imagine if you were not upon this path, if you were not upon a way in which you were focused upon your attention, your intention, you were focused upon the way that you engage with the world, well, where would you be? You would be in exactly the same position as everyone else. You would just be picking stuff up from around you and living the same way that everybody else is living in what we call in the Islamic tradition, ghafla. That's not a judgment. That's just an observation. That's where we would be, isn't it? And so therefore, when somebody does something which is just preposterous, we understand. We understand. And when we do something which is preposterous, who was it before that was saying that they struggle with that? Self-compassion is definitely a huge thing for me too, she says. Um, yeah, because sometimes we do things and we look at ourselves and say, how could I do that? What's wrong with me? And you know that that's important, right? <laughs> it's never simple, is it, in this in this group? I'm sorry, guys. Lol. It's important to call yourself out. It's important to hold yourself to account. That's why I take issue with some of this, you know, some of this understanding of what self-love means, which is that, you know, whatever I do, it's okay. It's fine. I am perfect as I am. No, we're not. We're not. We could be more. But at the same time, self-hatred is not useful either. It's that understanding that we articulate at the very beginning of this session, which is that we acknowledge our own dysfunction. We recognize that we are going to act from a place of stupidity on occasions. We're going to slip up. We're going to do stupid stuff. We're going to say things out of place. We're going to make decisions that we think are appropriate and they're going to blow up in our face. We're going to say things to people which we think are virtuous and they turn out to be awful. And sometimes we're going to act with a, with a bad intent. 
because we're going to be, you know, misguided. We're going to worship money instead of Allah under some circumstances. We're going to do things which are foolish. Now, do we understand that in the context of our existence? Do we understand that we are fundamentally dysfunctional, that we are sinful in the language of the Islamic tradition? Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said, that Allah, if Allah did not, if you did not sin, Allah Almighty would replace you with the people who could sin so that he could demonstrate, oh, here we go, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. So he could demonstrate his Rahmah. So he could demonstrate his mercy. So maybe sometimes our own lack of self-compassion is this self-expectation, this idea that we might be angels. How about that? How does that land with you? That we think we are exceptional that we think we're incredible that we think we are angelic and in fact we're not and that's one of the greatest things that happens when we slip when we fall when we mess it up do not go out and mess it up intentionally lol but when it does happen that's why the the statement i can't remember who it is attributed to in our tradition states that sometimes the, the the sin, missing the mark, doing the stupid thing, which generates a sense of humility and istighfar, repentance, turning back to Allah Almighty is better for the individual than a, a good deed done in a haughty and arrogant manner because it starts to, 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 to let's, what should we say, dismantle your own perception of self, your own belief that you're the bee's knees. And that is something which is very prevalent and very predominant in our society. You cannot admit mistakes. You have to be the best. I don't make mistakes. I don't mess it up. Yes, you do. And even the people who say I don't mess it up, they do. They just cover it over and spend much of their lives covering it instead of taking responsibility for it and being transformed by it. That's the job. That's the reason that we mess up. That's why Allah Almighty is a Rahman Rahim. Why he is compassionate with us. Because come, come, whoever you are, even if you have broken your promises a thousand times, come. For this is a path of joy. This is a path of compassion. This is a path of love and acceptance. You are welcome here with your foibles and with your silliness. With your errors and with your mistakes. May Allah make it easy for all of us. isn't just well i prayed my prayers that's it no the salah is spiritual practice transformative practice an amendment a shift to the way that we see the world so it's in as as was mentioned earlier it's an incremental process of transformation the salah is for us and i think i i would even go as far as to say 
at the default position, I would even go go as far as to, to risk offending you all by saying, I think the default position of you and me is ghafla, is heedlessness. And by means of the dhikr, by means of the remembrance, we get called back to him and we spend sometimes in the company of the sacred, in that sacred stream that we spoke of, but then we quite quickly fall out of it again. And maybe this idea that was spoken about in the group of isolation, sometimes when, when we leave this session now, I bet you're pumped, right? You've got him, you've got this feeling of endeavor for the sake of Allah. When you spend time alone, you endeavor and you 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 still yourself, you come to a place of stillness, but then you still have to go back into society. Because our tradition doesn't say, and this is again an immense wisdom, it, we don't have a monastic tradition. We don't have a complete recluse from society. Reclusion. We have periods of recluse. That's that's absolutely rooted in our tradition. It's re- rooted in the prophetic example himself, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But where does the work take place? Where does the spiritual work take place? Who is it? Ramdas, who said, if you want a spiritual retreat, just go and spend the weekend with your in-laws. <laughs> that's where it takes place. That's where the work is. You prepare yourself in the salah. You prepare yourself in the dhikr. You prepare yourself in the in the muraqabah. You prepare yourself by keeping yourself fit and healthy. You prepare yourself by reciting or listening to the Holy Quran. You dedicate time and effort to clarifying your intention and your attention, but then you go back into society and it still goes wrong sometimes. You still say stupid stuff. That's why it's a lifetime's worth of work, yeah? To seek confrontation is inappropriate. There is a story, I think, of Sheikh Muhammad ibn al-Habib, a beautiful story, um, related to what I said earlier on today about the burglar. And Sheikh Muhammad ibn al-Habib, Qadr sallahu sirrahu, was sat in his room late at night, making his, his dhikr throughout the night, and a burglar entered the room. But in those days, I'm not sure, maybe there was electricity, but um, the room was dark and the burglar was unaware that the sheikh was there. The sheikh then, when when he noticed that the burglar was present, the sheikh said, in the cupboard, (laughs) in the corner over there, that's where you need to go. Because that's where I keep my valuables. The burglar began to 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 be afraid and anxious. The sheikh turned on the light and said, don't be anxious. Take what you need. If you need this for your family, I understand. Take it. But fear Allah. And the man, the burglar, broke down in tears, began to cry. The sheikh said, sit next to me and rang his bell. And his khadim, his servant, came in. He said, get some tea and some food for this guy. <laughs> and they sat. And he stayed until Fajr. And he prayed Fajr. they prayed Fajr together. And the story says that the, the burglar became uh, a student of the sheikh. And they continued and he changed his life. He changed his ways, etc., etc. The sentiment of the story is very important. The Holy Prophet 
the greatest of all creation, never sought conflict, never went out of his way to find conflict, because that goes back to what Asma says, which is the most fundamental question and something that remember in this group, remember in our community, remember on this way, apply the questions to yourself. Don't apply them to other people. What is your intent? Why am I saying this? Why am I doing this? Why am I pointing this out? Why am I calling this person to account? Why am I saying what I'm saying? Because Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in his archetypal perfection never stepped out of line and knew what was required in the moment for that soul. Imam Ali, exactly the same. Because that example that you cite there, Rashid, is exactly the core of everything. If you are in the confrontation for the sake of Allah, then go ahead. I don't think, Rashid, that the example that you cite of Imam Ali is a discouragement of conflict, but rather it's an encouragement of the assessment and the evaluation of intent. Because the moment that you act for yourself, then you're done. Oh Allah, do not permit, do not leave us to ourselves for a single second. This is the, the, the supplication of Imam al-Hadad. Do not leave us to ourselves for a single second. So therefore, if you are engaging in conflict, know that, that, that our tradition is not a, a, a meek tradition, as it were. It's not a tradition of hiding away. It's not a, it's not a purely pacifist tradition. We stand up for ourselves. And when someone is acting inappropriately, it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-adl, he is the just, and he is al-kawi, he is the strong. And therefore, it is inappropriate to be walked all over. But if your nafs is being walked all over, and you're attacking someone else because of your nafs and because of your personal dislike, then you've got a problem. If you're doing this for the sake of the divine and for the sake of justice, for the sake of righteousness, for the sake of adab, for the sake of doing what is pleasing to Allah, then it is necessary. But the last thing that I will say to bring this to a close, and I know we're running over a little bit, don't avoid your own pain by criticizing other people. You must be conscious of that, ladies and gentlemen. Do not avoid your own pain by criticizing other people, because we will fall into that. We will say, well, you, you know, I feel terrible today and that person doesn't pray properly or that person doesn't do this, that person doesn't do that. Be very, very conscious of that because that is a wonderful way for the nafs, for the darkness, for shaitan to grab hold of you and utilize all of the work that you have been doing, all of the spiritual engagement that you have been involved in, all of the spiritual practice that you have done and use it against you to make you think that you're the one. And if we go back to the very beginning, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Engage with others with compassion. Do not engage in conflict unless your heart is in the right place. As I said previously, if you do not have the heart of Ali, don't dare pick up Zulfiqar, the sword of the Imam. 
ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد عبدك ورسولك النبي الامي وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم اجمعين سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين